0: Welcome back to the show. You are in for a treat today. I know I say that a lot, but you really are today. Today we are speaking with Michael Brovak. He is a life coach, entrepreneur, and inspirational speaker. Michael is a certified holistic life coach from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. He specializes in helping individuals accomplish and achieve the goals that they set out with the objective of becoming fulfilled within their own life. He spent 18 years, yes, 18 years within a hospital and has now taken that knowledge into coaching individuals struggling with similar challenges that he once experienced. Today, Michael is sharing his story in depth with us, what he experienced from spending years in the hospital, losing his brother to the same disease, and being in the state of planning his suicide to completely changing his life over the last four years and now finding his purpose passion, and mission in life. Michael is sharing the steps that he went through to change his beliefs, change his mindset, and how this led to creating physical and physiological changes in his body outside of only the improvements in his health. You're going to hear in this episode how he physically changed, which is so unbelievable. It shows the power of our thoughts and our subconscious programming. Michael also shares the power of community and how it completely reshaped his mindset and beliefs to what was, what is possible. He has allowed himself to be completely surrounded by and receive the support that is available for him. And he will continue to pay it forward in his mentoring, coaching, and continuing to raise funds and support kids in the hospital through the foundation CAMO, Cam-O, named after his late brother, Cameron. In the show notes, is a five minute video that really just puts his story together. And it is so powerful. If you take a minute to listen to this episode, to watch that video, please share it because Michael's mission needs to be shared. And if I didn't say it already, he's 22 years old, like 22 years old. This episode is going to blow you away. Welcome to the show today, Michael. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you, Marsha?
0: I am great. Thank you. We just started the conversation. And first off, before we even get started, we really want to shout out our friend Donovan, who has yes. connected us, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Donovan is uh, one of the best people I've ever met. He has such a big heart, as we both can agree on that. And um, because of him, this podcast has become a thing. So it's it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah I, yeah. I love this. This is the whole beautiful part about referral and how we yeah. can connect to each other. So before we get into a whole lot of your story, I want to like share with us who you are, who you are, a little bit of snippet of you, and then we're going to dive into you and your story.
1: Okay. Sounds great. Well, my name is Michael Brovac. I'm 22 years old from Hamilton, Ontario. I'm an inspirational speaker, entrepreneur, and certified holistic life coach. And I'm also... owner of a business called camo where i actually help kids within hospitals who suffer from a lack of connection lack of belonging creating depression and we provide courses coaching trainings to help those children
0: okay so first off let me just pick my job for a second for anybody who's listening 22 years old right look at i mean i love it listen i love it we need more there's no thank you there's no question there's no question. We need more and more um, people speaking directly to youth who are in that bracket.
1: Yes. And
0: yeah, there's so many things that I want to dive in when it comes to this. You didn't get here by accident, right? No. Nope. You nope. you're, doing, you're doing the work that you are meant to do because. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you would share some of your backstory of how you got here, I would love to dive into it even more.
1: Marsha. Thank you for asking that. Well, so my introduction seems pretty glamorous this time around. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the times when I tell people my, my introduction, they're blown away and they're like, Oh my gosh, this guy's so young. He's got so much going for him. And I could say right off the bat that that wasn't always the case. Actually, majority of my life, it was not the case at all. Mm -hmm. And so kind of what Marsha was saying, how it kind of lined up to be my purpose. Um, when I was born and my little brother were born, we both were diagnosed to a rare disease called IPEX syndrome, which is basically a genetic disease. And it's where your immune system isn't properly functioned like everyone else's. And so due to that fact, our childhood and what we experienced growing up with our peers and just just being young kids uh, was not normal at all. Mm -hmm. And actually within the first couple of weeks of me even existing, I was in the hospital for about two years after that point. Um, and what happened was my body basically was replicating that it didn't understand how to properly function itself. And so for those who don't know, when you're first born, your body starts to build mechanisms or things in place to make sure that it can fight off any viruses, any diseases or anything's in the natural environment for yourself to build what's called antibodies. For myself and my brother, we never had the tools to do that. And so because of that, we were necessarily in a bubble from day one. And so as far as going to school and as far as being around people, the way I explain it is I want you to think of what COVID is and what that was for all of us for two years. That was me and my little brother's life since day one. We wore masks in school. Half the time, we were probably 90% in the hospital, 10% at school or at home. And then on top of that, we didn't feel connected or belonged with the majority of people around us because we felt different and we were told we were different. And with that came a lot of issues like depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. And then on top of the physical harm, me and my brother developed things like diabetes, arthritis in the whole body, um, brain tumors. We had uh, kidney disease, liver disease. Uh, We had pneumonia five consecutive times. And sadly, with all these stressors to our little bodies, my little brother actually passed away at the age of 10 when I was uh, 15 turning 16. And so the way I explain this is when you're born into a scenario where all you believe is that you're sick and all you believe is that you have one other person that you can relate to, and then that person is then taken away from you, you then feel no purpose and you feel lost. Because that one thing that was once with you is no longer there to support you, care for you, and also be the companion that you desire to have through this whole journey. And the moment my brother passed away, I gave up on life. Mm -hmm. And I stopped living because I believed that all my purpose was was to be sick, was to be ill. And I thought 100% that I would end up like my brother if it happened to me naturally, or I was going to do it to myself purposely, because I felt like I had no other purpose. And then what happened was I got so sick in high school, by the time I was about 17, 18 years old, while most kids were graduating high school, I was preparing to go into what's called a bone marrow transplant, which was basically a surgery where the risk of me dying was very high, but the risk of my immune system maybe developing some new habits was also very high. And what happened was I had to make a choice to either go through the bone marrow transplant or take a risk and decide whether or not my body's just going to continue to replicate the same diseases and the same issues that my brother had and I had all through our youth childhood. And something that was even worse than the physical pain was what I said about not wanting to live. And so the moment that I heard that basically my life sentence was coming to an end and I was going to have to make a choice to either take a a shot at something that wasn't promised Or take another shot at something that wasn't also promised, I gave up. And I took this opportunity of me possibly going into a transplant with the likelihood of me passing away as my cue to leave. And I actually hoped and I prayed that the bone marrow would kill me, because I didn't want my parents and I didn't want people around me to bear the pain of me committing suicide. And I wanted something to be in the way of that to say that, well, he he died fighting. He died fighting like his brother And, you know, we couldn't do much more. And then something that I say is a miracle happened. And two days before I went into my transplant, I met someone through mutual connections who has forever changed my life. And that person is my mentor and his name is Christian. And so he came and saw me two days before I went into this transplant. And the first thing he ever asked me on video camera was, have you ever thought about killing yourself? Before he introduced his name, before he told me what he was, what he did. And I started bawling and I started crying because that's all I thought about and that's what I wanted the whole time. And then after that, he started saying some things like, well, what do you think about your brother? What do you think about where you're going to be? What do you want to do? And all these questions kind of probe things in my mind that was like, I never thought about and also I didn't want to think about Mm -hmm. because I believed I had no choice to. And going into this procedure, when the doctors would say that I was maybe at high risk, my mentor was there to say, you're at high hope. You can do this. You can create this. You are more than a kid in the hospital bed. And the more that I kept on getting those affirmations, and not only affirmations, but two-hour sessions on his own time, on his own dollar, and on his own transportation in the hospital bed, the more I started to actually want to live and make decisions and create things in my life that would not only benefit myself, but benefit my little brother while he's looking down and also benefit people that I believe needed so much as, a, as in that, that circumstance that I was once in for the majority of my life. And there was one day that I remember the change really happened, which was I was about 18 years old and I was in my transplant. And at this point I had chemotherapy. I couldn't move out of my bed. I was connecting to machines, tubes. I was taking thirty medications day and night. Um, I also had my immune system reacting to the different drugs because it it was basically in survival mode because it was being wiped. And I had the doctors come in and they said that I was actually growing a lymph node, a swollen lymph node in my left lymph node. And they told me that it could possibly be cancerous. They said that we have to rush you into the surgery room ASAP. We have to cut this open, remove this right now. Because we don't know if this is going to kill you with your immune system already being compromised, you having no resources to fight it. We want to remove this as fast as we can. So I got down to SickKids Toronto. That's where I stayed. And they put me through this room and they put me under. They did the surgery and I got out and I was so fed up and I was so tired and I was so hurt that I actually looked up like just in my room. My parents were beside me. My mentor was actually in the room and I started yelling at God, what I believe to be a higher power. And I started yelling at also my family who passed away, my brother, my uncle, my Nana, like all these, all these different people that I felt were influence on me. Um, I started yelling, why? Like, why me? And my mentor said from that point on that he knew that that was when I started to change because I finally had enough of what I was living. And then from that point on, he started to showcase some things with me that would actually change my life from that point on and he said well michael why don't you try and drink some water which was something that i never did prior because of course i didn't want to live and something that he helped me develop was a mission a purpose and a goal which was i wanted to leave the hospital and play basketball because all my life i believed i couldn't and all my life i believed that was that was it and anytime i ever tried to i had arthritis in every single joint of my body And if I tried, I could probably play for two minutes max. And then I'd have to recover for a couple of days after. And when he kept on pushing me towards this goal of basketball and he kept on saying, look, you drinking water makes you hydrated. Therefore it allows you to play basketball. You stretching allows you to play basketball. You getting higher posture, posture allows you to play basketball. You getting the cane and walking, even though it's very, very hard to do, pushes you to play basketball and little by little, over about a year, I did those things in my hospital room. When prior to that point, I didn't even want to live. And those things accumulated into actually leaving the hospital, going to the gym, practicing my shot. Even when I was still attached to machines, I still had chemotherapy. And what it kept on showing me was that I was more than a kid in the hospital bed. And when I started to realize that belief fully and actually take initiative of that, I became that. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, I started to change the way I thought, the way I acted. And it created things like I no longer had arthritis in every single joint in my body. I no longer was on 30 medications day and night. The doctors said they weren't sure if I was going to grow. I was four foot 10 going into transplant. I'm five, seven. Um, my kidneys, my lungs, my liver all healed. Um, and everything that I accumulated to take action on my life started accumulating in other avenues, which then granted me the goal and the dream of having health. And once I had this, this feeling of health, I knew that in my soul that I wanted to do something more with it. And I wanted to be some sort of like a icon or like a a mentor for other kids who are in hospitals and people in hospitals who don't believe they have hope, who don't believe they can get out, who don't believe they can be anything. And I dedicated my life from that point forward to become that person, to show, to provide and to be the best example I can be to lead with my brand called Camo. And the reason why it's called camo is because my little brother's name was Cameron. And um, he actually desired to be in the military when he was older. And he always loved uh, Nerf guns. And so camo, camouflage, and then the logo is the circle of life, because I believe that it created a circle of life, full circle for me and my brother. And so now that's why I do what I do. And that's how it all started.
0: Wow, thank you. I have so many questions, but thank you so much for, (laughs) no, for sharing everything that you did, because I mean, as I sit here, like there's so many pieces to it. When you started to change your beliefs, like your body physically changed. I think this is like, like, I have to stop here for a second and pause because just think about, I mean, okay. So there are people who are struggling with um, negative self-talk. They don't have a fraction of the health issues that you had, and I'm not not belittling other people. I'm just saying, look at what happened to your body physiologically when yep. your beliefs changed. Mm-hmm. That's insane! Like that it is, is such a proof. <laughs> so you went from four foot ten to five, yes. five foot seven. Yep. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. And as we, I think, and I'll make sure that your video is linked in the show notes. But I mean, thank I thank you. I, I can't count how many times I've watched that video and <laughs> I like you I love Eminem. Like, I mean, oh,
1: seriously. amazing. Like, oh,
0: no love. Like you have no oh, idea. Oh,
1: Marcia, that's awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. Love,
0: love. Because yeah, I mean, if there was ever any way that your video makes it in front of him, it's a fantastic video. It's in the show notes. Thank Please you. Please watch it. Please
1: watch Thank it. Thank you.
0: But when you watch that... That is you. Where there are times where you're like doing the bicycle on the bed, trying to move got it, your legs, trying to move your legs, trying to you got it stairs. And then there's a caption there where it's like you're going to get shoes. Like you're going you got to- it. Like even that probably like if you spent so much time in hospital, like why even get shoes? Because what does it matter? Because I'm just in slippers in the hospital. Is exactly. that kind of like that's really what your reality was?
1: That was yeah, and it, it was it was something that. Actually, it's funny because shoes, even though I wore them you know, maybe 20% of the time, shoes actually gave me a ton of hope because shoes was like a, a hobby I had with regards to being in high school. So like I said, when all my friends were going to college and university, I was preparing for a bone marrow transplant and I actually was honored and blessed to win scholarship awards for my school. And with that money, what I did was I actually always had a passion for shoes and I started reselling them from my hospital bed. And so that's how camo became, uh, like the entrepreneur of spirit. And so after my, uh, my appointment, something that kept me going was like, I had meetups to do on the way back from Toronto at different malls at different locations. And I bring shoes in my hospital and get them out on the way back and forth. And what that did was that provided something of a purpose, right? It wasn't so fulfilling for me, but it still was something that kept me going, even though I didn't feel like I was going to go if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was just like a constant reoccurring theme of like, being able to have something, whether it be my mentor saying something, my family being there, my wonderful aunt and uncle and my cousin, and then also the nurses, the doctors, then I had my phone for like talking to my buddies on the video games, like all these other things created little gaps of short term joy, which, you know, I don't agree with fully because short term joy doesn't create Mm-hmm. long-lasting joy but at the same time that short-term that short-term joy kind of balanced out the negativity i had going back and forth to the hospital mm-hmm. and so that's like how there was like a little piece of it where it kept me it kept me being functional within my lifestyle even though the lifestyle seemed so negative if that makes sense
0: oh it makes a ton of sense and as i listen to it like it's yes short-term joy but with where your life was at, I wonder if the short-term joy became moments of light where it was it like, did. okay, so wait, this is, this might be possible. Like this might yeah. be possible. Like it's, you have to start to shift those beliefs. Like we are a product of our environments. Like all of we us are. are a product of our, of our environments. We so are. surrounding ourselves, and I mean, I say this with love, if you're listening and you don't even have, a, like if you're in an environment that is not serving you, you can move. Like yes. you were in a position, you couldn't change that. That's where you were a hospital is only like I mean yes they do incredible work but it's not a cheery place it's oh not.
1: it's not it is the no. worst place you could ever be on well I don't want to say that because I don't know many other circumstances but from my experience um, the hospital is nowhere that anyone would choose to be right and the hospital is nowhere that someone will say I would want to be there it's it's something that your your biggest desire and hope consciously is you want to leave but the problem is subconsciously you're meant to stay. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because your beliefs keep you tracked there. And when you don't believe that you can be anything more than someone in a hospital and you don't believe you can be anything more than um, sick, you're constantly just in that environment, no matter what, even if you try consciously to get out. And mm-hmm. so that's why you see in the video, um, the first step, one of the first steps I ever did with my mentor was affirmations of saying what I wanted to become, what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be. And, um, when I had those constant reoccurring things, um, I believe it changed my subconscious, which then allowed me to feel more open to changing things consciously, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, hundred percent. I'm I'm just finishing my um next month will be my NLP masters. And I'm oh that's cool. Oh my it's like honestly, it's the work I didn't know I needed. I wish I would have known years right. ago. But it really is like what we like, what we think, what we believe is what we're creating. And, yes. and I used to think that it was like just a bunch of, it made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Until you're in that position. And it's <laughs> of like, course. Okay, right. Because yeah. I used to believe like, okay, so you want me just to stand up and say affirmations. Um, it didn't, it didn't land or make sense to me, but in compare, like, if you look at it from your standpoint, your affirmations were so different from what mm-hmm. you were living. Yes. So what did it feel like in the beginning when you were saying them? And it felt like, is this is just so ridiculous. It's not even real. Like, <laughs> not, like, just be real.
1: A hundred percent. That's a great question. Um. Well, first of all, when my coach told me to do that, I thought it was absurd mm-hmm. and I thought it was stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, The thing that pushed me to keep on doing them, though, was I had no other option. And this is, this is why I believe that everything happened for a reason. And I needed to get to a point where I either made the choice to pass away or I made the choice to take any risk I could to get better. And so having that in my back pocket of like, I need to do this no matter what, and I will do anything in my own power to do it, um, created the opportunity for me to do the affirmations, but a hundred percent, I would, I would read them out. And I would cringe. Like I would I would feel so negatively um, in my own being. Like I would just feel so uncomfortable because it was so cringy to me. I was afraid to say it in front of the nurses. I was afraid to say it in front of my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it it looks absurd to watch that and to hear that when you're in a state of so like opposite mm-hmm. that it just – it it doesn't make sense. Like how are you going to say that you're going to speak on a piece of paper – what you want, and that's going to come true. And for me, the thing that sparked that was my mentor became such a huge authority in my life and influenced my life. And I saw how much he, he just wanted me to be better that I kind of did it for him as well. Mm -hmm. And I also saw that when I was doing them, my parents were also a bit confused and inspired in a way. So then that made me more motivated to do it as well. Mm -hmm. And then also Knowing that me talking that way to myself was much more better than, um, you know, I would I would say so many negative things about myself. And so to switch that, I knew that something there was good. Something. Didn't know what, but something was there.
0: Well, and I think this is the point is, is that you had spent so long thinking the complete opposite. So you know what that feels like? Yes. So... Sometimes we can't necessarily predict exactly where we're going to go, but we know we no. don't stay where we are. Yes, and that's that piece of it. Hundred percent. So, your two days—you were two days shy of having yeah. a transplant—was when Christian came to. you. Yes. Where yes. did he come from? Because, like
1: <laughs> this, like seriously. <laughs> I know. I know. I know.
0: Where did he come from?
1: So, it's a really cool story, actually. And so I'm a huge, still am, but back then I was really, really into basketball Mm -hmm. um, and I was really, really into sneakers and I was really, really into hip hop, like all these things that correlate together, they create like a culture almost. Um, And so anything that I did that ever gave me joy was like correlated in those things. And so we actually had a GoFundMe that went up about a week or two weeks before my transplant date. And the beautiful thing, and I'm so thankful for this, is always I had so many people around me that were so supportive and loving and caring. And they just, they, whatever way they could, they tried to help. And when we launched this GoFundMe, my aunt actually had the idea of doing it. And she did a phenomenal job editing it, writing it, all this stuff. And her friend, so I guess i us start here. My aunt, her name's Auntie Diane. She, um, She has been always there for us in the times of need. She's been kind of like a a second mother to us Mm -hmm. with my little brother and and myself. And, you know, the days that we were in the hospital, she was there. She tried her hardest to be there as much as she could. And so during the times that it was leading up to the bone marrow, she was almost um, trying to figure out ways to help us, as well as my parents and as well as my uncle and everyone else involved. And so when she created this GoFundMe, um, from my understanding, her friend Betty, who's also become like an aunt to me, had Christian be her trainer. Um, and so Christian was training Betty for years prior to this point. And Betty took the initiative from Auntie and them to show him the GoFundMe. And kind of, he already heard about me through past years through them. And he heard about the state I was in. And originally, the plan was he was just going to come in and kind of just meet me and greet me. Um, but he took that and he quadrupled it. To something that I never ever thought could happen, and so he knew that I was a huge Raptors fan, um, and so they were actually playing the night of the day I met him. And another huge influence of mine has been someone called Jordan Kilgannon, who's a professional dunker. He's actually from Sudbury, um, on uh, Sudbury, Canada, and uh, he was doing a dunk show at the Toronto Raptors halftime show of that night. And so Christian and Jordan knew of each other and they were already close. And so Christian coordinated with Jordan that when he did the halftime show, he would actually bring me out and dunk over me. It was first time meeting him. And so when he came to my house that day, two days before, and he interviewed me, he said those things I told you about. First question he asked was if you ever thought about killing yourself, me and him built like a huge connection and bond the first day. And he got, he got us an Uber to our home in Hamilton to Toronto. Mm-hmm. And everything was a surprise. So I met up with my aunt, Betty, my uncle, my parents. We were all at the Real Sports Bar, which is a bar right by the um, Scotiabank oh, Arena. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I freaked out because it was all something I never knew was going to happen. And it just got better and better and better to the point of where I was actually sitting courtside at the Raptors game. And I saw Jordan come out on the halftime show and he looked at me and he pointed to me and he called me on the floor no. and he jumped over me. And so after that day, um, you know, my mentality again was like, wow, that was very nice. That was awesome, but I still had the reservations of what I wanted to carry out, right? And I still was terrified and petrified of my future and I didn't want to live and all that. And so Christian took the initiative to not only do that, but he kept on coming back after that. And he actually brought Jordan to my hospital room. Then he brought Chase, his brother, who's a really good influence on me and really close friend of mine. Then he brought Al and all these other really positive people in my life that I, I now call brothers that back then I was just getting getting to meet. And he kept on bringing people in my room, showing and telling me how possible it was for me to be something other than sick. Mm-hmm. And it just kept on building upon that moment. And now what's amazing is like, I'm actually going to be moving to Sudbury within the next couple of weeks oh, wow. because I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be actually doing life coaching and personal training at two gyms up there. And both of the owners our connections from Christian and both of the owners are like my best friends now. And I'm going to be in this group with all these brothers of mine who came and saw me when I was in the hospital bed to now actually being at an, uh, an even level of being able to not only only get value from them, but also provide value for them. Like if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, yeah, so that's how it happened. <laughs>
0: it's it's such a beautiful thing i i do believe that there comes points in our life where we can't see the way out we can't like yeah. with some low points we've had some very very low points we can't see the way out we can't see what to do differently and then all of a sudden somebody shows up and there's yeah. something that shows up and they then become almost this light or mirror to show us yeah. like, what else is possible we also have to be in a space where we're open
1: yeah
0: and ready to see that there oh, are yeah. possibilities right like it's I mean, I'm sure you were holding on to the identity of being the kid in the hospital. That was 100%. Your, how could it not be your identity? It was your entire yes. life.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Right? It was your entire yeah. life. But there was a part of you that was craving something different. You just yes. wanted to be able to have that. So you then, let me, take me through when you start to feel stronger, you start to feel, because we're still only four years from- Yeah,
1: we're only four years from right? 2018. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: we're only four years. So there was a point there, like, how long did it take you to start to feel like stronger? And because you can see in the video, you're working training, like that's, I mean, it takes time, but I just would love to know what that process was like.
1: Great question, Marcia. Um, So I started, like, I, I say this to 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 the T is like, I started being the guy I am today on that date that I read those affirmations, mm-hmm. which was in 2018. So I started training and I started working out in 2018. Now, was not necessarily like attractive the way I was working out? Like, was I lifting a bunch of weights? And like, no, I couldn't. But what it did was it provided a foundation for me to then grow upon come the following months and the following years to now create where I am now. And so as far as feeling strong and empowered and confident, I won't lie. I still have days where I feel not confident. I don't feel strong. And I doubt myself just like everyone right mm-hmm. but the thing that i have that i never had before was i have something to fall back on which is truth of where i've came from and also i have the truth to show the results that have come from my actions that i decided to take when i was in the hospital bed and so the moment that i felt really like like this is it like i finally leveled up from the hospital was when i was it was actually last summer it was like july And what I just finished a workout, I finished training with Christian. Um, and I came home and I took my shirt off and I saw how jacked I was. And I never like I never liked the way I looked, I always was ashamed of the way I looked. Um, I hated going on in public because I was always I would always stand out. Like I always I always looked ill, I always looked weak, I always looked sick, and I never wanted that. I always wanted to be different and I wanted to become someone that was the opposite. And so it was July last year. And I just had finished a workout in my backyard and I took off my shirt and I just, I was like, holy crap, like I actually look really good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Who is that? And, (laughs) and so when I did that, I actually, I took a picture of it and I posted a three year transformation picture on Instagram. And now ever since that point, I always go back to that picture. The days that I feel um, down on myself or critiquing myself or doubting myself of what I desire to do, or don't want to do or whatever the case is. And so what I've learned from my mentor, and this is something he taught me, um, actually pretty recently, like he's, he's taught me so many things, but like, it takes time to click of course. Um, and so something he taught me was like, I have a superpower and that superpower is I was never given a healthy immune system. I was never given a healthy life. If you want to say, I had to earn a healthy life. I had to earn a healthy immune system. And so it's kind of like if you see in, you know, Marvel movies like almost like Iron Man when he was sick in the bunker and he had to get that core in his chest to then become Iron Man, my thing that I needed to develop was I need to develop an immune system. And now any time that I disregard my immune system or I eat like crap or I don't sleep good, my immune system lets me know, well as other people because they've had a natural immune system, they're fine. But anytime I go over that border of like overindulging in sugar or overindulging in like um, you know things I love, of course, you know like staying out late and stuff, my body lets me know right away. But it lets me know hard, and so he taught me that I will never fully have health. Like I I, I don't own it. I don't own anything. I have to maintain it, and I have to keep it, and it's my responsibility to be accountable for it. And if I'm not responsible and if I'm not accountable, my, my body will let me know. And that's kind of like my superhero, if you want it, my superpower, if you want to say, because it's a constant reoccurring theme of accountability that I have to choose to take. Whereas other people, maybe it doesn't get them to that point until later on in life, they actually have to make that decision. Like I did younger. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I would say on that topic.
0: No, that's a great answer because I think the average, um, I think so many times with some people, I'm like, how do you, no offense, but how do you yeah. not feel terrible? You're eating like that. I'm fat, with you. you. Don't do <laughs> it. Like how, I'm like, I, I exercise regularly. I eat. People tease me all the time. Oh help. yeah.
1: I get it too. Yep.
0: Constantly. And I look at others and I'm like, <laughs> how do you, how do you function? I don't even understand. No. <laughs> but I also think that some people don't know how bad they feel because that's yes done. Yes. Possibly. Yes. And then I also think it doesn't matter what they're doing; it's how I choose to feel. That's really yes. what matters.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you completely on that. And I, I even get yeah, because I'll I'll be the guy that all my friends make fun of me because I carry a four liter jug of water around with me everywhere I go. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I get teased for this. That's awesome. So much. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And then I'll go out with my friends, and you know, they'll, they'll be uh, they'll get alcohol, and I'll just say I'll have a water. Mm-hmm. And then I'm usually the guy that's the DD kind of thing because I don't drink, mm-hmm. um, you know, all these things. And it's, it's, it was hard at the beginning because when I didn't have the results I have now, I had a lot of tests from my peers. And something I learned from a course I took through Sean Croxton, um, it's, it was called uh, it was something in relation to Money, Money Academy. He's a really good author, really good uh, speaker, coach. He has a podcast as well. And I was introduced to him, of course, through my mentor, Christian. Um, and so he talks about in this course on how your, your circle and your brain almost is thrived off survival, of course. Right. And something that we all need to survive is a tribe. And so a lot of my life in this journey, I've had a lot of criticism and a lot of heat that I've had to endure, um, through family, through friends, through random people, because my decisions are not normal. And what I'm doing is not normal. And it's something that also creates a a, a constant uh, theme of motivation and reason to create within yourself because you have to, or else you fail to other people's opinions. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like a constant test that even though it's, it's the whole thing we just talked about, like you have to earn it. You can't, if you're going to allow, um, if you're going to allow other people's criticism and opinions to determine what you decide to do. Then you haven't earned it. So therefore you're not going to have it. And thinking back, I always was allowing other people's decisions and actions determining how I was in the hospital. Cause I was so weak and so um you're so bit vi- yes. yeah, vulnerable. Yeah. Vulnerable. But mm-hmm. you know, and and I I always preach that the thing that forever saved me was called purpose-driven accountability. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing that forever saved me. And I believe that everyone has the possibility to channel that it just depends on how great of a purpose you create out of what you want right and so um that's that's i don't know how i got on that tangent but and Do also i want to i always want to say like i never want to put people down but like all that stuff is necessary like i need to hear those things because it makes me re- make the right decision and also i've had so much countless support and love from people who are close to me like my parents my my aunts and uncles my my family. And of course, Christian, anytime I had criticism for people that were very close to me, I went to him and he was able to show me how, how visible the decision I had to make was in order to get to the next leap. Yeah.
0: I, yeah. There's so much there that I find is um, it's just so powerful. I do want to ask you and because I am a parent, I do want to ask. My kids are 23 and 24.
1: Okay. Awesome. Right.
0: Almost 24 and 25. Okay. And, we actually like we went through some really dark years with them, really, mm. really dark years. And the reason there's something that I want to just share here is is that there comes a point in time, especially as your kids get older, that you're not going to be the person to create change for them. You're just not. And so if no. you're a your parent listening to this, I need you to know, like, you're not doing anything wrong. You're not the person who's going to create the change for them.
1: hundred thousand percent.
0: So I used to get to a point where I would pray. That yeah. the right person would cross their path. The right person, like it wasn't me. I'm like, you know what, God, right. I know it's not me. Let right. The person crossed their path. And so I want to ask you about like just your parents and how yeah. like, this must have been for them. And also oh, yeah. honoring that I'm sure they were very relieved. Oh, yeah. Crossed your path.
1: 100%. Well, my parents have played such a wonderful and amazing role in my life. And truly without them, I wouldn't be where I am today at all. Mm-hmm. And something that my parents have had to do that I don't think many can do is they've had to accept a lot of realities that maybe was forced upon them because they just saw their son grow so quickly. And, you know, something that I know is hard for them is they they were so used to having to take care of two medically fragile children. And then when one passes away and the other one's doing amazing, it's like a whole 360 onto themselves, which is a great opportunity for them. Yeah. But they've had to make so many decisions to not only occupy me and Cam, but themselves. And something that they have done tremendously is, yes, I've had those very tough conversations with them where they give me advice and I give them tons of pushback yep. because it's it's um, it's something different from when you hear it from an outside figure because you look at your parents as like some sort of authority in your life in that avenue. But then when you want something that's maybe not, something you look at them as their authority for it's hard to talk to them about that. Number one, and it's hard to actually go to someone else about that as well. And so again, my mentor has been such a huge factor in not only helping me, but helping my parents become okay with when I would give pushback to my parents and knowing that where it's coming from is a lovely place. Mm -hmm. And I say that all the time. And so for as far as how they feel about Christian, I know they're forever grateful for him and they are so thankful for him and they're just thankful for everything. Um, But they have had to do so many things that has made them also heroic in their own way too, where they've had to adapt to changes and different, you know, rearranges. If you want to say that not many people I can say have ever had to endure. And so to go back to you, the thing I would say is that, first of all, your kids have to want some sort of influence. Mm-hmm. F- number one, because I needed to want to listen to Christian. Um, if I never listened to him, I would have never. I wouldn't be here today. I would have been dead. Um, and then number two is that, just if I could, I try to tell my parents this: is like when you're when your child when your children don't take your advice, or they listen and they maybe not like fully listen. Like I know it drives my dad nuts, it drives him nuts, it drives my mom nuts. Um, it's not because we're, we're choosing to like disrespect you or irritate you. Um, we're trying to find, it's almost like a detachment from you, like mm-hmm. to become our own person. And so for me, I always try to build the most independence I can for myself. So then I don't have to rely on others and others can actually rely on me because that's a goal of mine. Mm-hmm. And so Me going to my parents is something I had to do for all of my life. Always had to rely on my parents. I've always had to rely on my aunt and uncle, my cousin, all my family. And it's not very confidence-provoking for me to do that. And so whenever I had to do that, I always felt lack of confidence. And that's nothing to disrespect them. It's just the fact of how you feel as a child asking your parents for help. And so the thing I would say to summarize that, because I know I'm going on a, a rant, is um thank you thank you (laughs) is um number one they have to want it like search for it Mm -hmm. and i believe i attracted christian because of my little brother and Mm -hmm. my destiny and my purpose and i also believe i attracted christian because something in my soul knew i was capable of more and then when i finally released it when i was in the hospital room and i finally said i had enough and i was finally done it then allowed that part of me to channel instead of the part i was channeling for so many years And so I would just say, never take offense, or I know it's easier said than done, but don't try, try not to take offense to your kids doing the opposite of what you say, because Mm -hmm. it hits different when you get advice from your mom or your dad on something, and then you get advice from someone that isn't part of your family. And yet you look at them as someone different, if that makes sense. That's what I would say.
0: I love it. Thank you for sharing that because yes, I 100%. Like I think as a parent, you get to a point where it's like you just have to continue to lead yourself. You're there to support yeah. them. Yeah. But I do believe deep down that the right person can cross our path. And yes. the beautiful thing is it can be somebody out of nowhere. It can be mm-hmm. somebody out of nowhere, which is exactly what you experienced.
1: 100%, Marcia. Yeah. 100%.
0: So you're feeling stronger, you're working on yourself, you're doing these things, you are starting to almost become an unrecognizable
1: version,
0: right? Like like more than just a kid in the hospital bed. hundred percent. Where does that leap into, oh, I think I want to pay this forward on an even bigger way?
1: Mm. Well, the common theme of my story and what I've learned is that it all roots down to belief and it all roots down to goal and reasoning. And so I had to have the reason, the goal to want to change, number one. So when I had Christian come in my room and my mentor say to me all those things that were very hard to hear because it was like constantly just like trucks thrown at me because I had built these paradigms that were so thick and bold for so many years that I had power of like a truck hitting me on every day in the hospital. And I had to listen to it because I knew, I knew that I didn't want what I was continuing to be fed and what I believed. And so as far as like having a higher purpose to like, not just wanting my own self to be healthy and good, but for me to carry like a torch or something for others to use is, I'll be honest, I was very selfish for a lot of my life. And I was very selfish Probably up until I was like 19, 20 years old when I finally got healthy myself. And the reason why I was selfish was because I felt like I needed all the help. I felt like I needed all the attention. I felt like I needed all the praise, validation, whatever you want to say. And when I f- started to see that, um, you know, those things are nice and all, but I didn't need them more than other people. Um, I, I kind of developed like a want to want to give that to others. Mm -hmm. And so my mentor actually told me that like through through seeing me develop, he, he saw it change when like I was starting to get healthier and I started to do what I was doing before I was in the hospital when I was healthy and it wasn't fulfilling. So like I started after I got my, you know, body or whatever you want to say, I started to start selling shoes again. It wasn't happy. It wasn't creating happiness. I started to just play basketball up front. It wasn't creating happiness. I started to um, go out with my friends and just, you know, talk about whatever. It wasn't creating happiness. But the things that I got happy about was when I had someone come up to me and say how inspired they were to see my transformation. And then the things that got me very happy was when I heard people say and ask me for advice and ask me for help. And my coach kind of like paved the way of like guiding me into a direction where I could make that fully happen. And I felt that I needed to do what I do now because it's a service for my brother. And also with COVID becoming a thing, ironically, after I got healthy, um, I saw how much damage that it not only did to what kids were suffering for in hospitals, but now that that constant theme was also in the outside world. Mm -hmm. And so people who weren't even in hospitals, who were just in high school and grade school, still felt the same way that I felt when I was in the hospital bed not being able to go to school, not being able to connect with friends, not being able to be around other people, feeling depressed, feeling suicidal, all these things. And then when I continued to see those things happening, um, it made me motivated and developed like a want within myself to provide for that crowd in any way I could. Mm -hmm. And my mentor kept on saying to me that the only way I could do that was to just become the best version of myself to shine as like an example. And then eventually when I get the eyes on me, eventually when I get the right um, exposure, I can then use that to my advantage to, of course, help out the way I desire to help out.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what you're doing. And I thank you for sharing all those steps because, like I said, it takes time, but all of a sudden, when you start to see, like you said, everything you were doing, it still wasn't making you happy. It still no. wasn't bringing happiness. So your no. health is improving. You're doing yeah. things, but it's like something is still missing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like, no, I want to do something more.
1: You've got it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So now, like, you didn't just take a training certification. You went to no. the check. I actually, I got you to, know the check institute. I, I do know the check. Oh, Marsha, that's great. <laughs> I do. I actually, um, I spent twenty seven years as a registered kinesiologist. Went to CampFit Pro a number of times and no actually way. sat in Paul Check's, like oh him. Oh my personally. gosh, Marsha. Yeah, He's pretty like he's out there. I like He's him.
1: remarkable, but he is out there.
0: <laughs> he is out there. He's pretty intense too, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We used to say it's a big joke. I mean, we love you Paul, but we used to say it's a big yeah, joke. Yeah, do. Like don't put your hand up if you don't know the if you don't have a rough idea <laughs> to talk about because yeah, he's an intense man, but he knows He, is. His
1: stuff.
0: he knows the stuff. Exactly. Okay,
1: so you went that route. I did. And I wow, I'm so happy you said that. Yeah, because um yeah, Paul Check has been another... So just like how I said about Sean Croxton, Christian pointed me to him. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he pointed me to Paul Check Because once he started to see that I didn't want to just be like, uh, you know, post a picture here and there on Instagram and like people's comment hearts and likes and like, oh, that's so inspirational. I wanted to be someone that they could rely on as like when they need help, I'm there. Mm-hmm. And so my mentor has gone through like... He is so, like, uh, I can't even explain the level of, like, I, I don't know. He's not human. That's what I say. He's not human. And so he's been through all the routes of, like, being able to get to where he is now today, of, like, wanting to train athletes, wanting to train people, wanting to be that guy that people call when they need help. So he knows it. He's done it. And so when he saw me developing the want for that, he took the time and initiative to research and think of a lot of things that I could take part in to get me to that route. And the first thing that he recommended to me was Check Institute, and so about probably, I would say the start of 2021, um, he showed me a video of Paul Check, and he got me to research him more, and I started reading his book How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, and he actually gifted me that as a as a gift when he when he saw me that that month, and I started to read it, and I started implementing everything that was in the book to myself. And then it also built a lot of aha moments because everything I was doing was stuff I already did when I was in the hospital, which got me to the point of where I am now. Mm -hmm. And so I started looking into further research and I saw that you could become a level four life coach, three, two, one, like all the different levels. And I started to watch his videos and I was just so, so, so like involved with it. And I, I, I believed in it so much. And so that that year, I dedicated the whole year to just studying as much as I could. And I got my HSC level one, uh, uh, Czech Institute certification. And then ever since that point, I just actually finished my level two, back in, uh, what is it, probably July, Mm -hmm. I got my level two. And the whole reason why I wanted to build that stuff is because now I'm trying to take my knowledge and gifts, not only within just helping kids in hospitals, but also general population. And people that I know I can have an impact on that I've not even tried to have an impact on, and they've told me I've had an impact on, and so that's how I kind of got correlated to the check. Is I'm just so happy you know that that's awesome. You <laughs> know,
0: I do know. <laughs> that's and amazing. Yeah, I've had so many people. I I have actually always respected the work that he does. He's like he was talking long about like healthy food, growing your own food, like like long before it was a thing. We've heard a lot of it in the last uh-huh. COVID. But I'm talking mm. like in early 2000. he was of course, it, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I've always liked his work. I I love this. So now you're you're level two certified and you're moving in the next little bit to something. I am.
1: I am. This
0: will be you'll be doing some coaching and training. What kind of work you got are you it. doing? Okay.
1: So um so this move has come from I've always so Within the last two years of being healthy, like developing this want to want to help others has been so huge and so big. And so with getting my second certification, of course, within the last four years, I've developed so many good relationships mm-hmm. with people who I now call my brothers. And a lot of them are actually in Sudbury. And funny enough, Christian's from Sudbury. And so with that being the case, and me being able to go to that area a lot of the time, um, I've, been, I've been able to have what's kind of like called a connection with a lot of individuals up there. And so two of my really good friends who I've gathered relationships with throughout the years, uh, one is named Zach. And Zach owns a gym in uh, Subbury where it's a gymnastics gym, but he is taking it to another level where he's actually making it into a one-stop shop where he's getting physiotherapists, recreational therapists, gymnastic coaches, personal trainers, like every level, and he's putting it to one spot because Sudbury is a very small town. Mm-hmm. And it also has a really lot of big problems with the things that a lot of us struggle with, like depression, anxiety. And then on top of that, something that I can't say I've been through, but I've witnessed and I've felt in my own way with like having tons of medications at once is they have a really bad um, opioid crisis up there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really it's really hard to see sometimes because it's like, it's just, you You count your blessings. So I'll go up to Sudbury and then I'll come back to Hamilton and I'll realize how lucky I have it and how lucky we have it. Mm-hmm. And so Zach has brought in his gym into an avenue where he's creating multiple different layers to it. And one of the layers that he's creating is a mentality layer. And so in the mentality layer, he, I'm not going to share his story because it's not my place to do. And you guys will know about him come down the road, but He's had a lot of experience with mental health within his family, within himself. And he's basically turned his traumas and his things that he's gone through and made it into kind of like a purposeful thing where he wants to provide a foundation and a stability uh, for the community where you could come to this facility and you get every step of care that you need that's much more holistic and much more like a goal setting approach and like just something that I love. And so, anyways, Zach and I have become very tight and I've, he's, asked me to come out to speak to his kids and I've developed really good relationships with his coaching staff. And, and so just recently after getting my HLC two I was up there and I talked to him. And so he's going to bring me in as the head mentality coach of his gym, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. And it's something I've always wanted to do. And then my other friend killer, his name's Rick, but we call him killer. He's actually um, a really close friend of mine. And he also is a personal trainer up there and he's also going to be doing gym things. And so he's going to bring me in as a second kind of personal trainer. And he's offered to also med- mentor me and show me how to properly like treat the athletes he treats. Cause it's very high skill and high level. And so this move is creating kind of the, the next step or layer to my journey. And something that I'm really trying to build here is I'll be honest. I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of resistance and pushback with camo. Um, And it's been very hard because you would think a lot of people would support it and a lot of people would help it. Um, But I've had a lot of people that haven't and a lot of people who have said they were going to do certain things and they haven't. And something that I need, of course, because it runs the world and it's something we all need to accumulate is money. And so for me to get jobs in an avenue where I'm doing something I love, I'm around people I love. And then I could also create financial means to then dump into Camo down the road. um, It's just the best bet for me. And so it's I'm thankful because it's all kind of fu- manifested within mm-hmm. the last couple months. And of course, my mentor has been someone that's, um, you know, kind of coordinated the ideas with me and coordinated the things of, you know, getting me to this point of where I know how to properly pitch myself. I have a resume, I have a cover letter, I've studied for like, three to six hours a day the last year. So I'm very educated. Now I have knowledge. And so it's just about that next step and layer of like, putting all that to play, if that mm-hmm. makes sense.
0: No, it does. It does. And I. you're right. Like we, You have to be in a space where, especially now that you physically can, you want to be in a space where you can generate right. money so that you can care for yourself and do what exactly. you want to do. Exactly. Yeah. That's totally, I understand that. And as you do this, where would you like to see camo? Would you see it being Ooh. a part of your business, a big part, or just as of today, I realize it can change.
1: Yeah. So, so, I have so many ideas for camo and I'm not going to say every single one because Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to rather put it into um, implementation than speaking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for as far as where I see camo, I'll put it this way. I believe, and a lot of people believe around me that there, I have so much qualifications outside of just education for doing what I'm doing, because I've not only become Knowledgeable in studying it, I've lived it. Mm -hmm. And I've been the kid in the bed. I've been in the hospitals on Christmas. I've been in the hospitals on Thanksgiving and Easter and graduation and all these things where you have to bear the pain of being attached to machines, tubes, and isolated, and then go on your phone and look on social media, see all your peers partying, having a great time. And then you just basically question your own way of living. Mm -hmm. And so having that experience and knowing exactly what's missing and so many things are missing. I'll tell you that right now. There's so many things that I got to do for myself to get to this point that wasn't in the hospital, that wasn't talked about, that wasn't provided. I want to provide with Camel. And the way I see Camel evolving is it's not only going to be a brand to where it's going to be a movement, kind of, where this is going to be like the Nike for kids in hospitals, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be it's going to be something that's greater scale, that it's not only something you wear, it's something you live and you become. And so I'll give you a little insight is one one thing that I desire to create is I will have a movie down the road called Sick Kid and it'll be the story. But the plan is that the same video that I had the opportunity of making with my friend Cole, the videographer, is I want to have a series of those videos for kids I help in hospitals. And I want to have a series so that you can watch a whole TV show of kids who have been suffering from these conditions to then create that and become who they are today and create almost like a, an army or a team that you could go to that. It's not just like you're educated, but you've lived it and you become something different from what you were told you could only be. And that's where I see Camel becoming. And that's what I wanted to become.
0: That is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful because I think of you know, it's again, if we're back to the scenario, you're in the hospital, and people are telling you what is possible. It sounds like words, empty words. Yes, you can actually see videos in a
1: movie exactly of
0: people's actual exactly. information that would give hope.
1: Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something that rather than you watching, um, you know, your friends partying and doing all these things you desire to do, you watch someone who is in the bed with you connected to those machines, connected to all those pain things that you have in your arms, and then not being able to function normally, and then seeing them go from that state to then them being able to be an example for you to look at online and know that you can have that too. And then, of course, it's not just like you're going to watch a video, get inspired, it's going to happen. I'm going to provide courses so that you have individual steps to get you to that point. If you want, then
0: Mm -hmm. I'm going to have
1: merchandise. I'm going to have different product gaps that are in the hospital that aren't talked about. You would think that, I'll say one now, you would think that when you're in the merge room or when you're in the hospital, you would have a pillow, right? I would say 90% of the time I had to bring my own pillow because they're show, so short on pillows and pillowcases that you oftentimes are just sleeping on a mattress and you don't have any support for your neck, for your head. And then of course that creates bad circulation. And then if you're not walking and you're not moving, that creates terrible pumping. You get more infection, you get more issues. And so that's just one product that I'm going to make with camo. But everything's going to be dedicated to providing the gaps that aren't there. And something that is kind of like an extra help for not only the medical staff, but the people who are in the circumstance receiving treatment. That's the mission of CAMEL.
0: What a beautiful vision. And I'm just going to say that since you've had the vision and you have those ideas, they will come to life. Thank you. Time. There's a reason why they're dropping down on you. Yeah, you can actually yeah. do that. You can bring <laughs> you to life. It's not a fluke. It's not. Thank like you, Marsha. Really is. Yeah. And the thing is, is the other thing that I have always held on to. Is I'm a big idea thinker. It right. That sometimes when those ideas come in, then it becomes like, okay, but who am I? How can I? I don't know. People like, and we get stuck in these in the thoughts that actually don't matter. Right. They don't, yeah. but the thing is, is that just like Christian showed up and made a difference in your life, the right people are going to continue to show up to bring your visions to life. They will show thank up you. because you keep showing up and that's thank the, you. right. So you keep showing up and before you know it, you're going to cross paths with people and you're going to say like, Oh, that's why I met them. Now I get it. Now I get it. Yeah.
1: I really appreciate you saying that, Marcia. Thank you. That means the world. Cause yeah. I struggle with that a ton. <laughs>
0: I just want to share that as a, as a, as a tip. So sometimes that's exactly where my brain goes. I get so excited. I'm like, that's amazing. That's, oh my God, that's big. I don't know. That's wow. That's
1: really, I
0: should just like, and I immediately go right into this, Uh but my words that I always say, you spoke about the subconscious, the words I always go back to is like the incredible people and opportunities are everywhere. Like they will show up when I keep showing up.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Wow. Thank you, Marsha.
0: You're welcome. I really
1: appreciate that. That means a ton.
0: Yeah. It's not a fluke. It's not a fluke. There are so many things I would love to ask you. And I think I've already told you that we will probably be <laughs> doing an interview on the other podcast as well. 100%. And, right. Because I mean, I actually, I love what you're doing and what you're creating Thank you. and anything we can do to help to continue to spread that. Because again, we're not meant to do this alone. Right. None of us are. Meant Thank to- you, Marcia. No. No, not at all. Where can people connect, follow, learn more about you, support your vision, everything that you're doing?
1: So the best way right now is probably my Instagram because I'm most active on there. Mm -hmm. Uh, that is at Michael Brovac, all lowercase. Mm -hmm. And then as far as my other social medias, I also have Facebook where you can find me on there. You can just Google the same name and then also you could also just Google me and a lot of things will come up. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then as far as like, Actually, contacting me. If you go to my Instagram, you can go to my website at camo.ca and there you can actually send me an email. We could be in touch and start to talk on whatever we want to talk about. And so I would love for anyone to reach out. I really appreciate it.
0: Okay, perfect. I will make sure everything is there in the show notes. Again, link to your video will be there as well.
1: Thank um, you.
0: Did you just recently have something a couple weeks ago that you were sharing your story or a part of?
1: I was, yeah. So, so actually, um, probably two weeks ago now, uh, we do, my mentor runs this event in Sudbury for the community called Five Cent City. Mm -hmm. And we're all a part of it. And this event actually is so beautiful. And it brings everyone that I've talked about who's had an influence on my life at one spot. And we all volunteer our time and efforts to try and help the community in whatever way we can. And so my mentor created this event where the goal is to connect through community and the reason why is because there's a lot of disconnect in community. And that's not even in just Subbury. Subbury is really bad. But like in general, we all are so disconnected, especially with things that have gone on with COVID and especially things that have gone on with just lifestyle stuff that now we're more than ever disconnected, right? And so I had the privilege and honor to speaking um, just, just very quickly at uh, the event two weeks ago called Fassen City Volume 4. And we run it every year. And it's going to be run again next year. Volume five is going to happen around the same time. And so that event is somewhere where it is my favorite event that I've ever been to. And it's also my parents' favorite event. It's everyone that I've ever brought out's favorite event. It's all of our favorite event who are my friends in Sudbury. And what my mentor does is he creates an event where you have almost everything that you could ever desire as like a kid. So you have a 3v3 basketball tournament, you have a shooting competition you have a dunk competition. You have my friend Jordan who does a dunk show. You have wonderful inspirational speakers. You have people who pour their hearts out and just dedicate their time to just coaching and sharing love and and building the community up. And so I would highly recommend anyone to check that out. And if you're especially in the Sudbury area, come out next year and give 5 Cent City a follow on Instagram and you can find that all out too there.
0: Mm, thank you for sharing that. As I'm listening to you share, you could just see like you're lit up and you love <laughs> like this. And it just reminds me that I want to say for anybody who's listening that you can go from a space where you feel completely isolated and alone and not sure, like if you can continue the yes. way life is to being part of a community. And I, I'm with you. I think community is like just, it's it, it we're not meant to do this alone. We're just not, no. we're not. No. And no. if you have a very difficult story, if you're listening, and you have a, but you don't understand, I have a very difficult story, then even more unique. Yeah. Community.
1: Yes. A hundred thousand percent.
0: Sometimes you've got to step into places that make you feel uncomfortable to connect with the people that you're meant to connect with. Yes. And be in that space. So, cause you can hear like how important community is for you.
1: Oh, it's oof. community saved my life. Like I didn't, I didn't save my life. By me, I did it by so many other individuals. I needed other people to help me do that myself. Mm -hmm. And I believe everyone, even down to our primal instincts, we need a tribe to survive. Mm -hmm. We can't live alone. Mm -hmm. And this whole age of like, uh, you know, I understand why it's in play and all that and all that stuff, but I also have lived it on another level. And when you're alone and you have no one you can relate to or connect with or belong with, you don't want to even connect or belong with yourself. And so even though you're an individual person, you're connected to every single individual that's around you, whether you want to believe it or not. And I've learned that within the last four years of my journey, because a lot of my life, I wasn't connected. I wasn't belonged. My brother, he was such a beautiful soul. And even though he had so many limitations, he was always connected, always belonged. And something that always gave him joy was being at school and being around so many friends and so many wonderful teachers and EAs and, and doctors and nurses. and. Even though you know you look at his life and you could say it was very tough, that's what created a lot of happiness and joy, and I believe that's for everyone, any single individual that is a human being.
0: Thank you for saying that, and I have to believe that your brother is a large part of your fuel. And Thank your you. Purpose of what he you-
1: is, mm-hmm. he is, he's the backbone. He's he's the reason why I get up every morning. That's one hundred thousand percent.
0: Well, I have no doubt. I'm sure he would be very proud of everything. Thank you, Marisha. I'm sure your parents are. As yes. Well. Honestly, yeah. this is this has been absolutely um, a favorite interview of mine. And you're you, incredibly well spoken. For thank
1: you. For,
0: you really are. So <laughs> thank these, you. Like take that, and receive it because you don't speak as though you're 22, but you've lived <laughs> years in 22. Right. That's yeah. the difference is that you've lived a lot of years in that time. So I have loved this conversation. I do have one more question for you. And Please. it is what lesson in life are you most grateful for?
1: Ooh, that's big. It is big. Um, <laughs> ooh, um. Okay. I would say the biggest lesson that is like the foundation of who I am and what created me and what's continued to drive me is you actually already touched on it, which was, my brother. But if you break down who my brother is to me now, he's what's called a reason, a purpose. And so the greatest lesson that I ever have learned is that I needed to have a purpose in order to live in the first place. And I needed to actually have a reason to get up every day, a reason to do what I do, a reason to want to change. Every single thing that I believe now comes down to reason. Every interaction Every person I meet, every action I do, everything I drink, whatever the case is, eat, it's always behind some sort of reason. So, me deciding to eat healthy is because I have a reason to become healthy. Uh, Me uh, wanting to work out rather than just play video games is I have a greater reason to want to work out and be healthy because of honoring Cam and honoring what I set to do rather than just playing video games. Whereas before, when I had no reason and no purpose, that's all I did. So, I would say that the greatest lesson I have ever learned is that you need to have a reason, you need to have a purpose to carry out anything you wanna do. And the reason is like the backbone behind change, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that's what I would say.
0: I couldn't agree more and what a <laughs> powerful answer. Seriously, what a powerful answer. You can't do it for anyone else. You have no. to be, you have to want to do that and to create yeah. the change. And when you do, when you actually have that purpose and that mm-hmm. mission, Like, look at how unstoppable you can become.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much.
1: This has been amazing, Marsha. I just want to thank you so much for having me and reaching out to me and following through with this. I I can't express to you how much I appreciate this opportunity and to be able to just connect with you and have a conversation with you. I'm so thankful. So thank you so much.
0: You're so welcome. And I promise you it's not our last one.
1: (laughs) Okay. I can't wait. (laughs) I cannot wait.